Hey, it's Jason Rogers here. And in this video, I wanna to talk to you about the most profitable self-storage company in the history of the United States and most likely the world. We're talking about public storage, a company that was founded in the 1970s after one of its two founders went to Texas and saw these self-storage units, which at the time weren't even hardly considered this was a brand new idea that a couple of mom and pops were doing in Texas. And the founder of Self Storage, his name was Wayne, he went back to where he lived in Southern California down near San Diego and he pitched the idea to somebody that he knew well and said, do you know what? Let's try this. Let's give this a whirl. Maybe we can sell storage and with the land that we buy and the facilities that we build, once that land becomes more valuable, we can just redevelop the land later. Meaning literally the idea of self-storage wasn't even their long-term plan. It was just a way to make some money so the land could appreciate, so they could sell the land for a newer, better, bigger development later. The first public storage didn't actually go by that name. They called it private storage and it confused people. So they ultimately changed it to public storage. And they quickly found that at only 35% occupancy, they were making all of their expenses and anything over 35% occupancy was basically all pure profit. And they very quickly realized they had a super profitable idea on their hands. So they started filling up storage units. They had these events and these parties they would throw to get people excited in the local communities to basically put their stuff in these, in these storage units they were renting out. And they started building more self-storage. They started building more of these public storages around Southern California. And very quickly, they needed more capital. And the initial founder, there were two co-founders, but the initial 1A founder, his name was Wayne, he realized he needed money to build more of these. The two co-founders had initially put in $25,000 of seed money. They ran out of that money. They needed more money. And Wayne, he was, he was skeptical of debt. And so he actually went to the private investor marketplace and started raising capital. And very quickly, they started building more public storages all over Southern California. They started expanding and investors were getting two to three to even 400% returns on their capital in very short order. And of course, that's a heck of a return. And so investors started piling in and piling in and piling in like crazy. They quickly realized that to continue scaling these operations, they needed to consolidate local areas and build a whole bunch of self-storage, these different public storages in local areas. And they really quickly developed the hub and spoke operational model. The hub and spoke operational model is basically wherein you have a single hub, a single managerial hub, and then you build a bunch of different self-storages in a local area so that that single manager that oversees that local market can be within two or three or maybe a four hour driving distance of a bunch of different self-storage sites. And this basically created operational efficiencies. It kept the cost of management down and it really allowed these public storage facilities to be very, very profitable. So they continue to fundraise capital. They continue to fundraise capital. And sure enough, they kept expanding and expanding and expanding. And because of tax laws at the time, they were able to give their investors killer returns and the investment kept on coming until suddenly <laughs> new tax laws including the tax reform act of 1986 reduced the tax benefits of the investment vehicles that all these investors were piling their money into and it became a tough time for real estate companies and that included public storage Public storage also dealt with a lot of bad weather as they expanded east. That meant that construction of these new public storage sites, it got more complicated and it became difficult. Yes, by the late 1980s, the company had opened its 1,000th 
public storage location. And the company was three times larger than its nearest competitor in the US market. So I mean, yes, they were dominant. By 1989, 2.7 billion had been invested from 200,000 investors. So it's not like this was a company that was struggling, but it did get difficult. And so public storage and its, and its co-founders, we talked about them, Wayne and Keith Volk, they decided, you know what? We have to switch things up. And so they converted to a REIT, a real estate investment trust. And this helped them continue to grow. Public storage continued to grow into the early 2000s and was added into the S&P 500 in 2005. And soon enough, public storage was the dominant force that you and I see driving down the highway, probably on a daily, if not weekly basis. Fast forward to present day and public storage literally does over a billion dollars a year in income. I'm not talking about revenue, I'm talking about income. They're now a publicly traded company. They acquired SureGuard Storage, which is a large, large, large self-storage company over in Europe, I think notably in the UK, as well as other parts in Europe, and they are the dominant force in the marketplace. And a couple of things they really did on their rise, their ascent, a couple of notable principles that I really wanna talk about here in this video. Firstly, is the fact that they were willing to pivot so hard from their initial premise. Their initial premise was just to build some self-storage, to turn some initial money in, and then to basically sell that land at an appreciated price, right? So it was really initially just gonna be a pump and dump play, just a quick flip. But when they realized how profitable it was, they realized, you know what, why don't we expand our vision even bigger? Why don't we go for a bigger play here? Another thing I thought that was really interesting is they actually stole this idea from other self-storage operators in Texas, but they took the idea back to California and then rolled it out in a much bigger way there, which really goes back to the idea of you don't always have to be the first one to invent an idea. Oftentimes it's about he or she or what company executes most effectively, right? These guys didn't invent the idea of self-storage, but they popularized it and now they're the ones that are extremely wealthy. Another really interesting principle is the idea that they didn't use debt to expand their company. They almost exclusively used equity raises. They almost exclusively used equity raises, which just goes to show that there's more than one way to grow a business. You don't have to only use debt or you don't have to primarily focus on debt to grow a company. You can do equity raises as long as you don't dilute your equity share to a point where you lose the control of the company and basically lose the rudder of the ship. Likewise, it's notable to say that public storage initially developed their sites. They bought cheap land, but in good areas, and they basically constructed these self-storage sites, but later on, they moved into the game of acquisition. They acquired SureGuard, they've acquired other self-storage sites, and ultimately they realized that yes, while we can build self-storage, we can also acquire existing self-storage. So they've really expanded the way they've grown over time. And another really important model that we already quickly talked about is the idea of the hub and spoke management system, where you have a single hub that really is almost like a, a flag in the ground and then from there you draw a you know basically a big circle around that area and then you try to you know have as many operations as possible within say a two to three to four hour radius of that home base so that you can really keep management localized and so that you can have operational efficiencies and this has been something that many other businesses and business models have stolen and used and it works in a number of different industries and ultimately it's just really to me a story of 
going the distance and realizing that a simple idea can make you billions and billions and billions of dollars. I mean, this is a massive company now. Everybody's seen a public storage and it was all based on a simple premise of building facilities for people to put their stuff in. But as the co-founders quickly realized, Americans have stuff and rather it's because of a divorce or a marriage or a relocation from a career or because of the death of a family member or what have you. Anytime somebody's life gets changed or kind of disheveled, they need a place to put their stuff and that self-storage became extremely in high demand very quickly. But to me, it ultimately just goes to show that almost any business idea is possible, assuming there's customer demand, if you execute appropriately, if you're able to raise the funds and hey, if you're returning killer returns to investors, you're gonna always be able to get that money back in perpetuity coming your way to help you continue to expand your vision. So if you can make other people money, you're gonna get more money to continue to grow your business. I'll leave you on that note. Hey, it's Jason Rogers. Thank you so much for watching the video. Be sure to subscribe, thumbs up the video, and for more, go to jasonpaulrogers.com. P.S. As I was editing this video, one last idea became really self-apparent to me, and that is the idea of keeping your foot on the throttle, keeping your foot on the gas once you have a winning idea in business or in life. These two co-founders, once they realized how profitable the self-storage sector was, and once they found all the demand that was there, they just hit it and hit it and hit it and hit it for about 35 straight years from the early 70s through the 80s into the 90s all the way into the new millennium. They just hit it and kept their foot on the gas. They expanded. They found a process that worked. They repeated it and they repeated it. And yes, they adapted to the times. In the early days, they raised money from private investors basically on a one-to-one -one basis. And over time, as the tax laws changed, yes, they adapted and they ultimately moved to a REIT and ultimately they moved to making more acquisitions, whereas initially they were buying pieces of land and then building these self-storage sites, right? So they, they adapted the nuance of how they grew, but they never let their foot off the gas. And I think for all of us as entrepreneurs, once we find something that really works, it's our responsibility to keep giving the marketplace the thing that we do best to keep doubling down on the thing that's providing value and making money and to repeat, 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 repeat. Last idea I had for you, I wanted to finish on that note.